What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, Heart, Mind, and Soul. I'm your host, Camille Marty, and today we have a guest. The first guest that's been back twice at this point, Ethan Riles, is here with us. Let's go. I feel so special. You should. You are officially my favorite guest to have on the podcast. Sorry, All Mom right. and Caitlin. <laughs> um, we are just going to do a fun episode today. Ethan is in town again, and we've just been hanging out. I'm on fall break. Great time to relax and have fun, do stuff you want to do. So I decided instead of trying to stress and do all the research for a new episode, we're just going to do something fun, something that we both know a lot about. Ethan actually showed me Enneagram tests and Myers-Briggs tests, and we're just going to talk about them, talk about compatibility, talk about the different types and all of that, and just encourage you guys to go take that, the purpose of them in people's lives, and all of that fun stuff. All right. Sounds great. Enneagram tests are, I'm sure you guys have heard of them. If you haven't heard of them, Enneagram test is a test that you take. It's about probably like, what, 50 questions maybe? Uh, yeah, something like that. And there's nine different types of Enneagrams and they all have wings and you have your you know percentage of what you are of each kind and it's honestly super super specific yeah it's accurate. really interesting <laughs> it's so interesting the purpose of the test is to help people to understand like not only yourself your tendencies it talks about your pros and cons it talks about your relationships with other people but it also talks about the 10 different levels of how you could be or you know like the top 10 you are the best version of this type is this and then you kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle there and then the bad is like the negative parts of your your personality right and so i first was introduced to the enneagrams and then myers briggs came along later actually pretty recently i was introduced to it but i found out that i'm an eight seven on the enneagram scale and it's really interesting to see your vulnerabilities and your problems the issues with your personality versus you know kind of the pros versus the cons but i think it was super in- interesting to see what I needed to work on, what areas of my personality and my life, you know, in general. And it was very accurate. What I struggled with, vulnerability is like one of my main struggles. And that's very clear in there, you know. Yeah. I'm like in the in the leadership part of the Enneagram. And so I don't want anybody to see my vulnerability. So that's kind of something that I can open up to and fix and work on. So Yeah, the personality tests, any of them, both of them, the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs, they help you with your personal like self-discovery. They help you figure out, you know, what are some toxic traits that I might not realize? But when you read analyzing yourself, then you feel like, oh, okay, I do do that. And I, this is how I can fix it and all that stuff. It also helps you be aware of your brain, your habits, your tendencies, all of that. So knowing this information will help you to try to stay away from your toxic traits and be aware of them. I know as a seven, I am very afraid of negative comments. It's really bad, but I really don't like to feel incapable or like cry or be vulnerable or anything like that. But it makes it hard for me to be like emotionally available to people in my life. Right. I struggle with that kind of same along the lines of that. I'm an eight wing seven, so I share some of that. Um, I'll say this. When I first got into the Enneagram, it was so much more clearer than the Myers-Briggs to me. Um, And I think that's kind of based on the fact that the Enneagram is more like how you see yourself and the Myers-Briggs is more how other people see you. And so it's like kind of interesting the way it works. When I saw the Enneagram, there's a lot in there. Again, vulnerability was something that instead of me knowing that I had a problem with it, it was kind of something that I just pushed to the back of my mind and I didn't really realize it was like subconscious effort to do that. 
And when I read it, it was like it all like really made everything clear as to why I did certain things that I did naturally. Yeah. And so uh, that really helped me out. And it gives you such a stark black and white area that like you know you need to work in, in certain areas. And you know what strengths to rely on on your personality and in your daily life. Yeah, I think we all have a narrative of who we are as a person. Like, I had to be on the phone with Ethan to take the test because I was like, do I do that? I have no idea. (laughs) So, like, being self-aware is really an issue for me. So, taking the test, I actually had to take it multiple times because I would take it. And I'm like, that's not really me. So, I had to have someone kind of be like, no, you don't do that. You think you do, but you don't. So, we all have this narrative of ourselves in our own brain of like, oh, we do this because, you know, this and whatever. But the personality test really gives you paragraphs upon paragraphs of different areas of your life like I feel like they're pretty specific where you can find yourself in a lot of the issues and so explaining exactly toxic things that you do or you know positive things you do which is really good because a lot of people have issues figuring out you know what's the positive trait that they have according to the American Journal of Psychiatry the Enneagram is a personality theory describing nine strategies by which the psyche develops a worldview and relates to self and others. Each of the nine types have a basic fear, a basic desire, and predictable behavior patterns in times of stress and security all of which shape motivations underlying behavior. The Enneagram has been used by psychiatrists since the 1970s. The authors summarize the Enneagram theory, review the history and literature validating its use, and suggest areas for application in psychiatry, including diagnosis and psychotherapy. As the Enneagram becomes increasingly popular, clinicians will benefit from knowledge about the system. So I'm just going to read the nine types. I'll have Ethan read the last four, and I'll read the first five. And so you can see kind of while reading them what you think that you are, and then go take the test, and you can figure out what you really are. Because I genuinely thought I was number two, but I found out later I was number seven, so we'll just read these to you. So the first one is the perfectionist. One was the number one. So if you're a one, you're a perfectionist. They place a lot of emphasis on following the rules and doing things correctly. Type ones fear being imperfect and can be extremely strict with themselves and others. This is somebody who's a people pleaser, very like perfectionist, A1, type one type of person. If you think that you're that type, you may not be or you could be. You'll find out on the test. The number two is the giver. And twos want to be liked. They find ways that they can be helpful to others so that they belong. The type twos fear being unlovable. And I truly thought I was a type two. And actually, I think my percentage wise, I'm more of a type two than a wing eight. Because I'm seven wing eight. It's funny because Ethan's a eight wing seven. And I'm a seven wing eight. So I think, I don't know if that's horrible compatibility level. But anyway, so I thought it was a number two. But I found out later that I'm more of a different kind. A number three is the achiever. So threes want to be successful and admired by other people and are very conscious of their public image. Type threes fear failure and not being seen as valuable by other people. All right, so a number four is the individualist. Fours want to be unique and to experience deep, authentic emotions. Type fours fear that they are flawed and are overly focused on how they are different from other people. Hmm, that's really interesting because the thing about it is that a lot of these are, you know, maybe characteristics that you'll find in yourself. And when you take the test, you get a percentage of what you are for each kind, I believe. But a lot of this stuff is sides of myself that I could kind of see. But you'll see what you are the most of and how that relates to all that. Like some of the seven qualities relate to the four qualities, right. but it's not like 
100% for. You know, don't skip to your what you think yours is, or if you know your Enneagram, don't skip to what yours is, because you can find something in each of these personalities. You have a percentage of each of these in yourself, and so you can find pros and cons that may not be very prevalent in your in your personality or in your day-to-day life, but stuff you can work on nevertheless, or people that you know that relate to each one of these. Maybe you're if you're in a relationship, your significant other, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend is one of these or relates to one of these, and so you can kind of know how to handle them and what to expect from them. Number five is the investigator. Five seek understanding and knowledge and are more comfortable with data than other people. The biggest fear of the type five is being overwhelmed by their own needs or the needs of other people. Again, you can kind of relate to some of these. Like Camille relates to the type of five, so she seeks understanding and knowledge quite a bit. She's not a number five, but you can see this kind of pop up every once in a while. So one of the things Camille is often called doing is being overwhelmed by the needs of other people. So type fives have to a lot of the time work on saying no to other people's needs, saying no to in order to fulfill what they need. Sometimes you have to say no to other people in order to say yes to yourself in some aspects of your schedule or whatever it may be. Number six is the skeptic. Sixes are preoccupied with security, they seek safety, and they like to be prepared for problems. This is an excellent personality to have. For type six, the greatest fear is being unprepared and unable to defend themselves from danger. It's funny that you said this is this is such a good personality to have because I literally think that you're significantly more of a six than I am. Really? Like, I'm a planner and all that, but Ethan will be like, aware of his surroundings well preparation is such a big thing for me (laughs) like in fact me and camille this is something that we have uh intense moments of fellowship about uh every once in a while because intense moments (laughs) of fellowship not fights intense moments of fellowship (laughs) there's times that i'm like for instance we went and saw wicked earlier this week it was a broadway a great broadway and uh on the way she she finds out that she can't find the email for our tickets and the confirmation and all that and, like, immediately my mind is completely boggled because, like, if I schedule something, I've got a screenshot. I've found the email. Like, I'm ready to walk through the door the second that money leaves my account. And she's not like that. And so this is kind of the thing where you kind of balance each other out. And, you know, it all works out for good. Type sixes are normally going to be very prepared in an argument. They're normally going to be very prepared to defend themselves. There's somebody that you want on the camping trip with you because they're going to know all about the dangers of where you're at. Number sevens are the enthusiast. Um, sevens want to have as much fun and adventure as possible and are easily bored. Type sevens fear experiencing emotional pain, especially sadness, and actively seek to avoid it by staying busy. This is your type, is it not? Mm -hmm. So this is another thing that Camille is so, it's like so accurate. It's crazy. So me and Camille are in a long distance relationship. So I see her, you know, maybe once a month or once every two months sometimes. And so we have these week long visits and it's like I'm the type of guy that I'm I'm happy sitting at the house and playing board games and drinking coffee and like talking. Camille tries to pack as much fun and adventure as possible into like a five, six, seven day uh, trip as possible. And it's like it's like so unnatural. Like you don't see it out of a lot of people. Like we have trips every day. We have we have things every day. And so like sevens are really big on this. It's a good thing. You're never bored with them, but it's also like you can get easily worn out on some of it. Now, they fear experiencing emotional pain, especially sadness, and actively seek to avoid it by staying busy. Wow. So this <laughs> wow, is... Wow, it's so accurate. It, yeah. This is something like if you're in a relationship or you're married, it would do you a lot of good to study out what your significant other is, and you would understand so much more. Camille's always busy, 
and this Enneagram kind of proves exactly why. I just think it's like incredibly specific. I can find myself in all the Enneagrams as part of it, but this seven it was like, whoa, do I do that? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I do. Like I, It's so self-reflecting and it's like almost one of the deepest versions of self-reflection you can do when you like sit down and basically it's like a whole paper that they write in the website that talks about the Enneagrams and you can read all about yourself and you just like feel like wow I feel like I know myself now same thing with people in your life you know your parents close friends whatever reading about their Enneagrams it's really interesting so we're gonna talk about Enneagram 8 because this is Ethan and the contrast of our Enneagrams are hilarious well this Enneagram is in my opinion the best Enneagram out of, <laughs> of all nine. I want to say very quickly the Enneagrams we're talking about it being so accurate it's interesting because the Myers-Briggs was not as accurate to me specifically. Yeah. And so it's quite, kind of cool to see, like, this relates to me so much more. But other people read the Myers-Briggs that I was with, and they were like, oh, that's so you. Like, so that's kind of, it's so interesting how they view me. Um, the Challenger, uh, eight see themselves as strong and powerful <laughs> and seek to stand up for what they believe in. The greatest fear of a type eight is to be powerless, vulnerable. I was talking about this earlier. So they focus on controlling their environment. So I'll say this, and then she can tune in and give more insight on how I act and what I do. But this is very accurate. I'll say this about the weakness. One of the biggest problems that I face is like being very controlling to people. And so like it's something that on a day-to-day basis, I struggle, and I like have to force myself not to do things. So I'll give you a great example. Me and Camille went on a, uh, like a two-mile hike yesterday with some of our friends, and it, it's called Hanging Rocks here in North Carolina. It's it's phenomenal. You get to the top and it's like, there's no guardrails. It's just like tons of rocks hanging off the side of a mountain that you can see like hundreds of miles off of. And it's amazing. And so like, I'm over there dancing on the edge, practically, you know, like swinging my legs off the edge and like walking around, like no, no care in the world. And I look over and I see Camille, like walking within four feet of the edge of the cliff. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like you have to be careful. And like the whole time I'm like, like overly, because I'm like, I can control me but I can't control you. And so like everything in life, I struggle so hard because it's like, if you put it in my hands, like I have so much more confidence in, in what's going to, the outcome's going to be, whether yeah. it's good or bad than I do for somebody else because I, I don't have that grip of control. So yeah, the, it's interesting about the challenger is that the goods are really, really good. And like, obviously strong, powerful, seek to stand up for what they believe in. That's awesome. That's amazing. But the, the bad part about it is that it's almost like the the trust of other people being able to control them, their environment and stuff like yeah. that. If it's not perfect and, and if I didn't c- perfectly cultivate it, it's almost like I'm going to pay attention to what you're doing. And like, like he was talking about the hanging rock thing. Like I would have been, I'm totally fine. Like walking on the rock alone. I would have been <laughs> cool if he wasn't there, but he's like, Girl, be careful. And I'm like, bro, I can just walk on the side of the rock. It's okay. So that's an example of how you have to, and we talk about this a lot about, controlling our own narratives for who we are our personalities and our habits and our tendencies and all that and like changing them because you know you don't want to protect an identity of yourself that's not helping you right you know someone say oh yeah i just i just have anger issues i have anger issues i have anger issues every single day like oh that's just part of who i am no like why are you protecting that narrative of who you are that's not helping you at all. You know, it's up to you to change that about yourself. I think that with mine as well, like being emotionally vulnerable and stuff like that in a relationship, obviously you have to be emotionally vulnerable at some points, you know, I have to actively work on changing that. So all of the Enneagrams, if you don't like a certain part of your personality that's in there, you know, be aware of it, be aware that you do that thing, but it's not defining you. It's not going to like 
force you to be this way. That's you really know? good. That's super good. So that's kind of one of the deals. Like my weakness is focusing on controlling my environment, but that can be a strength to almost everybody, you know, control who you are, control your environment, control your narrative of your story. So number nine is the peacemaker. So nines are like kind of, to me, they're kind of polarizing compared to everybody else. You see like something that's pretty prevalent in, in each personality is everybody wants the best for themselves. Everybody is pretty ambitious for the most part. Number nines are peacemakers. And so nines like to go with the flow. So they don't control their environment. They're kind of polar opposites than eights and let people around them set the agenda. Type nines fear pushing people away by prioritizing their own needs and they tend to be passive. Okay. So like a number nine is probably the polar opposite of me or very close yeah, to it. Number say. nines like to fit in. They like to go with the flow. They, they agree with everything. Number nine will be somebody kind of like uh, Caitlin, yeah. one of Camille's close friends up here. Somebody that just kind of, what do you want to eat? Oh, it don't matter. Just wherever y'all want and let everybody else kind of set the vibe, set the agenda, set the plan for the night. And they just kind of go along and have a great time. The thing about number nines, as far as their issues or their more their downside, is they fear pushing away people by prioritizing their own needs. So what that causes them to do is overcompensate and not prioritize their own needs for fear of pushing people away. And they tend to be very passive. So that's the nine Enneagrams. Now, each of these, there's so much depth to them. You know, like we we wouldn't have the time of the day to go through each of these and give examples and give pros versus cons. But this is kind of a basic rundown over all of the nine. And so you will fall into one of these. You may have heard it as we were talking about it and thought that's probably me. But the main thing about the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs is you have to be brutally honest about yourself. When you're answering these questions, this is something Camille does, is uh, she answers what she wants to be or who she wants to be. She answers according to the person that she would like to be. And so what happens is she ends up getting like something that's not at all her, but it's who she wants to be in and of herself. And so what you have to do is answer Brutally honest. Even if it's a bad thing that you do, you have to be brutally honest and answer that. That way you get your actual Enneagram. The knowledge it'll give you about yourself is unbelievable and and normally pinpoint accurate. So we're going to talk about how the nine types are all divided into three groups, heart, head, and body. And this is interesting because it kind of deals more with conflict and conflict resolution. And we'll talk a little bit about how me and Ethan conflict resolution and how our Enneagrams, it talks, honestly, it talks about the relationships and Enneagrams. Like you can right seven and eight how does that relationship look like and then see you know the pros and cons of that as well the heart um obviously reacts with their heart meaning they're more empathetic tries to look at the world by understanding its emotions they value emotional support recognition and inclusion and that's type two three and four which are the giver the achiever and the individualist so if you guys are listening to this and you've already taken your enneagram test then this is like more for you i guess So the head react with analysis. They connect with people on an intellectual level. They make sense of the world by understanding the systems and theories that underlie what they observe. I don't believe I'm in here. Um, They are focused on control, which they gain by maintaining stability, security, and competence. Head-centered are five, six, and seven. So this is Camille. They analyze everything. Each of these have pros and cons, just like each Enneagram has pros and cons as far as, you know, people that react by their heart they don't ever analyze stuff the way they should most of the time until you have to you have to train each of these things that you don't have into your personality again controlling your environment so there's pros and cons to every one of these yeah it's interesting because i think while we talk about all of this i keep coming back to the thought the enneagram and the myers briggs and whatever personality test you might have or maybe a personality that you believe that you have even if it's you know 
older or whatever. If you've taken the Enneagram test five years ago, you could be totally different than you are now. But I would think of this as more of a baseline. Like this is your inventory of who I see myself as, who people see me as, you know, getting that feel of my pros and cons, my relationships, all of it, and getting a pros and cons about other people in your life. And then figuring out, like I said earlier, about tweaking things in your life that you don't like. You know, we were talking about the control thing with Ethan. It's like he could, you know, he has worked on this a lot and just getting older and maturing and stuff like that. It's just realizing that, like, you know, sometimes things you got to let go. And me, like emotional vulnerability, like we're talking about. So tweaking little areas of your life. And this is a super short, when we talked about the Enneagrams, a super short sentence of, you know, what the Enneagrams are, but there's so much that goes into it that you're going to pr- probably sit there reading it like, oh my gosh, I do that. Right. Crazy. So anyways, the body reacts with an instinctive gut feeling. And this is Ethan. They connect with other people based on their physical sense of comfort and make sense of the world by sensing their body's reaction to what's happening. Their drive is to maintain their independence and to limit control from outside influences. They respond by either overly controlling, (laughs) overly passive, or overly perfectionistic. And body types are eight, nine, and one. So nines, again, like they're even though nine and eight are completely different enneagrams they still react with their body so like ethan will if he'll you know get upset or something about really passionate about something it's a gut feeling and then the peacemaker will it's like almost like a gut feeling like you know i'm just here going with the flow but they still react with stuff by being what it said overly passive and then one is the perfectionist so again reacting with their body and feeling like they have to be, you know, overly perfectionistic. One thing we were just speaking about, I would say a lot of people see these and they see their end results in an Enneagram. So like a lot of people read these and they're like, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. And uh, I really, I would, uh, I would say that's not the case. I would say that this is a foundation, as it were, that you can build on and tweak your bad places and grow in your good places. So like one thing about the, the body, I, I'm very related to this. Obviously, this is so accurate. Um, one thing that I have to work on in this is having empathy with people, being able to feel other people's problems, be able to, because to me, I get a gut feeling. It's just how it is. I don't analyze other people's points of view as well as I should. And I don't have uh, the heart to, to really feel other people's pains the way I should. So these are all things that you can look at yourself and work on. I'm going to read just like for fun, our relationship enneagrams again each relationship and you can do this with a parent you can do this with a friend whatever it goes in and you can just type your enneagram and then add your enneagram type like the compatibility with that and so a lot of our relationship things are about we bring to the table a lot of excitement interesting stuff we're hospitable and we're a power couple power co- uh, you know we're just the best couple possible ever <laughs> Um, we're super high energy. I feel like even without this, is explaining our relationship. We, we're very hospital to other people. We want to make sure everyone's feeling good. Like, we're not super prone to conflict, I feel like, at we're all. We're both very high energy people. Definitely. And, like, wanting to get stuff done. That's the point right. of our relationship. Which I feel like is helpful, but a lot of people think that it's too overwhelming for yeah. them. Like, impossible. I feel like I've seen a lot of relationships that are more just chill out on the couch and like I will take a day off and all of that and so me and Ethan are both in this way where we feel like like this week even just having fun is 
harmful slightly to both of us but our personalities because we want to get stuff done all the time right we want to always be going 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 and that can be again the potential trouble spots or issues is that or you might be overly productive we don't prioritize time with each other and things like that so you can do this with every relationship you know i've done this same relationship obviously this is more like romantic relationships but talking about your family and figuring out like the dynamics between you and your, you know, your dad, maybe you don't have a good relationship with him and you want to figure out like what he is in the Enneagram. So you read it all about it and then you figure out, okay, we butt heads a little bit more and like potential issues, like figuring out your issues between you and a relationship with someone else. Right. So I would say that a lot of times because we have so much energy, um, the importance of our relationship is, is being able to funnel that energy into, into positive places, find interests that we both agree on and, and really focusing on those spots and I would also say, um, and I'm reading some of this, kind of getting a little bit of a, uh, inspiration from some of this. So we're both very strong-willed. I don't know anybody that knows me, if you're listening to this and you're from, you know, Sebastopol, Mississippi, or any, or you've had any time with me at all, you'll know that I'm a strong-willed person. So we have to, I've been learning, even just this week, being able to take the back seat and, you know, let somebody else shine. Uh, I think that's one of the best things that I could do for myself and for others. And so also before we get too far, I want to say that we're really focused on the Enneagram. Maybe later we can, uh, Camille or somebody will do a, a full episode on the Myers-Briggs just because there's so much depth to each one of these. We don't really have time to go into both of them. But I'll say this, uh, for me, I believe I did it best in going through the, they're both based off each other. So they're very similar. I think I did it best going through the Enneagram first and then the Myers-Briggs second because it's more of a percentage of what you are as far as extroverted, introverted. And so this is more of just a specific, like, hit you right in the nose about what you are. That's more of like a percentage of what you are and in, in, in everything in life. And so it's like, it's a little bit less nail on the head. It's more like you have to you have to study and comprehend what it means and everything like that. Both for the Enneagrams and the Myers-Briggs, you can really tell where you can be productive most in, like where you're going to thrive in school. A lot of the stuff for the sevens was just saying that like they need to be overly busy and all that stuff. And that's helped me with school because I've been able to like pack it all into one day, get super a ton done and then be able to let myself have a day off or whatever, but to fill it with things that I like to do. And so figuring out almost your learning styles, how you relate to other people, you know, how you can give best advice, how you can have empathy and to fix certain areas of your life. I think the Enneagram can show you a lot of that. Once you guys go through this, take the test, figure out who you are, try to apply it to different areas of your life. Try to apply it to obviously relationships and think about your productivity level, how you get stuff done, what you know you find the most joy in, what your personality says that you really do, you know, the type of environment you like. Because some people really, really, really try hard to be extroverted and they're just not. They're introverted and that's right. fine. But then you need to figure out how you can thrive in that way, you know? Right. And so you can do that with everything. And so being aware of who you are is super important. We talk about this all the time on the podcast but being aware of your tendencies and your habits and all that is super, super, super important for success in your relationships and in your life. Because if you don't know yourself, then you might do things that go completely against what you actually want to do, but you feel like, oh, this worked for somebody else, so it has to work for me. Even if y'all have heard my stories about my weight loss or my, you know, my life or anything like that, and you feel like, oh, I need to do this and I need to get up at five o'clock in the morning and like, Maybe you just aren't a morning person, so get stuff done late at night. And this Enneagram isn't going to tell you this, but the more you're aware of yourself, the better it is. So I think this is just a really good 
really, really helpful tip on how to do that. Yeah, I would say that every interchange between you and another person every day, life in general is all kind of a building block on one on a, on the other, learning to identify your issues and your trouble spots and not on your relationship, but you're in your personality in particular, depending on what career you're in, everything is kind of a building block one to the other on how to be better and how to grow in every situation. And so this kind of helps you identify that and it also helps you grow and, and give you insight on what you need to do for the next stage of your life. It's really interesting. This, this has helped me tremendously, even in our relationship. And so you may be out there, hopefully you are out there and there's some issues going on that you can't really identify. You don't know what's going on and maybe in your relationship or in your life. And so this will kind of help you realize, okay, this is the problem. This is how I fix it. You know, this is what's going on with me. This is the why, this is why I am the way I am. Yeah. Um, and so that's really powerful. And that's really, I, I would always say that identifying a problem puts you so much closer to being able to fix it. Okay, guys. Well, that's the end of the episode. I know it was short, sweet, and fun, but I definitely think this is super important and has helped me a lot in a lot of the areas of my life. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. We're going to be talking about fulfillment, and we're going to talk about lots of other stuff with figuring out how to be happy where you are and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about all that next week. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at Heart, Mind, and Soul Pod and leave a rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcast. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. Bye. Shh.